Hi, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. So in this episode, I'm bringing you something slightly different. This podcast is being brought to you in partnership with Lantern. Lantern is an integrated workforce platform designed to save the NHS £1 billion in staffing costs. They support the locum workforce, they have e-rostering systems, and they really know how to help you redesign your workforce and mobilize them. And this podcast will be the first of many pieces of content we are working on together, where we are sharing and showcasing and promoting primary care. And what is super, super important to me is that for anybody that comes on the podcast is that we get to go a little bit beneath the surface and hear the behind the scenes of what it's like working in a company like Lantern and the challenges they face. And when we collaborate with other members of the primary care community, again, we want to hear what it's really like. It's not just a glossy ad. So that is why working with Lantern is a perfect partnership for us. So I hope you enjoy. In this podcast, you will hear me talk to the co-founder, Dr. Ashani Patel, and I ask her whether the business still feels like hers. As a co-founder, it's it's growing exponentially. They're working internationally. Does the company still feel like hers? We are joined by Kat. Kat is a product manager working really closely with the design team and the customers to really understand the needs of the client and we are also joined by Jamie, who is the partnerships manager. We, of course, talk about COVID and how they have pivoted their platform and their service to provide more hub-based PC and hub-based solutions and hub-based and digital solutions. We had a really nice discussion around how they promote their services, especially when they do so much and how do they make sure their message doesn't get lost. We also discussed why it's so important to not offer a solution before you really understand the problems and taking into consideration the limitations of your organizations. We cannot be everything to everyone. Enjoy. And if you like what you hear, I would love it if you gave us an iTunes rating and review and shared this on social media. And I will see you in the next episode. So I have got something slightly different in this week's podcast. I am interviewing the team from Lantern, which is really, really exciting for me. And some of you may know I have interviewed, and lots of you will know from Primary Care Space, a lady called Dr. Shani Patel. She's been on the podcast before, it done really, really well, and we wanted to get them back on. But lots of you know Ashani, but there is a huge team that works alongside the clinicians in Lantern. And we wanted to use this opportunity to introduce you to some of those people that you may not know. And before we get started, I just wanted to share why we are partnering with Lantern. And this hopefully will be the the start of many more pieces of content that we're going to be producing together. I first met Ashani through a mutual contact, uh, Dr. Maya Vibuti. And then Shani came on the podcast. We started talking. She invited me to the, Shani, you invited me to the innovation dinner, the Dr. Dr. Innovation dinner. 
Dr. Anne Lantham Innovation yeah. Dinner after it was either Expo or Confed, or whether they yeah. combined the two. Yeah. I was so nervous. That trip took me like, I was there for just a few hours. It took like 10 hours. I drove down. I was so nervous and I went there and then we caught up again at the HSJ Awards, which was really good fun. And we've been talking on and off. So I think this partnership has been a long time coming because we both believe in partnership. There is a, a mutual respect and we're both trying to support primary care the best way that we can and that we can't do it by ourselves. So I just wanted to give you a bit of a backstory to how this partnership has come to fruition. So Ashani, not that you need an introduction, but if you just introduce the listeners to who you are and what you do. Uh, yes, thank you for the uh, introduction. Uh, we're also very excited about the partnership. We can maybe talk more, more about that later. Yeah. Uh, so I am Ashani. I'm a GP based in Northwest London, been a GP for nearly 15 years started a technology company with our CEO, Melissa Morris, called Lantern. It was formerly known as Network Locum. And we can explain the, the, the change for, the, for the, you know, the rebrand, I guess, as we go. And this basically, this company is a technology company that supports workforce mobilization, e-rostering, and provides solutions for primary care networks, federations, hubs, and also integrated care systems. And there's a lot that we do that people don't maybe realise that we do. So it'd be great to hear from my colleagues, my teammates who are also on this podcast, Jamie and and Kat, to explain a bit more about what it is we do in our our secret sauce. Excellent. Thank you. Um, Kat, I'll let you introduce yourself. So I'm Kat. I'm a product manager at Lantern. So product manager basically means figuring out what the right thing to build is by talking to all of the clinicians and like really understanding the problems that they're facing day to day and the practice managers. Um, and then working with a team of software engineers to basically build the right things. That's what I do every day. How big is a product team? So at Lantern, it's about half the company. It's about 25 people so we've got product managers designers who make everything look great and the developers who are actually doing the code that puts things together and then the rest of the company is we've got our like amazing clinical leads people like Ashani and KJ and then a support team and customer success team who help make everyone's experience a lot better. Cool. Jamie? Hi Tara, I'm Jamie, I'm the Partnerships Manager for Lantern. So I work with those groups that Ishani just mentioned there, so primary care networks, hubs, GP federations and integrated care systems to find out what their pain points are in terms of rostering, um, sharing staff, whether they need additional support from our GP marketplace and try and implement our platform. So Jamie, what has life been like at Lantern over the past few months? Everything's been turned on its head, where supply and demand have completely switched, where we found we had this GP marketplace of locum GPs who could be quite picky and choosy with the kind of work they wanted. We now have seen that completely switch and there's not as much work available for them. So we've had to try and find different solutions for our GP practices, our networks and our GP federations to help them with the new way of working post-COVID. So we're in an increasing number of staff banks that we're producing There are a lot more different types of staff than GPs that we're now working with in terms of clinical pharmacists, social prescribers, paramedics. There are different kinds of services that are coming on as well. So we're seeing a lot more home visiting services than we were before. And we're trying to keep up with the new trend towards online consultations. So you're busy. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It's interesting that you say there 
I suppose over the past few months when COVID first hit, whilst the healthcare system was really, really busy, there were different pockets that were busy and some that weren't so busy. Are you starting to see that increase now? Are more locums needed now? Yeah, we've we've seen in the last two months that it's coming back to maybe around 50-60% of what it was pre-COVID, so around January, February. We got down to, I think, probably 10 to 20% when it, it was at its worst, probably around April, May time. But we do see things recovering, but it's very hard to say at this time, but I don't see it ever really getting up to 100% of what it was before. I think that the whole landscape has changed and hopefully we can adapt with that. I think there's definitely been a shift and concerns and anxieties, especially with our clinicians who are exclusively freelancers or sessionals or locums, you know, whatever definition you wish to use. And there is definitely a a trend of people wanting to develop portfolio careers and having, I guess, the best of both. So having a core, maybe substantive role, it could be one or two days a week. And then wrapping it around it, their sessional work, their quality improvement work, their leadership roles, cancer lead roles. There's so much opportunity out there. But I think long gone are the days of people doing pure clinical 100% sessional work. I think it's destabilized the market. And we, our customer success team, spent a lot of time talking to our high utilization locums to make sure, first of all, are they okay? How are they coping in COVID? How could the product be adapted to make them feel safer? But also how could the product be adapted to help the practices and the hubs operate in a more in in, in a safer way in this new kind of digital first online total triage world? And it's been it, it, it's been tough. And we guess I guess we see ourselves supporting both sides of the system. So talking to both helps helps the product to stay on point and meet the needs of both sides. But it's it it's it was very hard. Yeah, and I think it's been hard for everybody in mm. in different ways. From a product side, you're speaking to your current customers and potential customers to understand the need. How easy is it for you to gain feedback on what is and what isn't working about the platform? So one of the great things about our customers is they're very willing to tell us when something's not working for them. So obviously we do our best to build things in a way that makes sense. But if something doesn't make sense, like we absolutely hear about it from them. So they'll like talk to our customer support team or customer success. And then that gets fed back to me. And we'll either set up a call with the practice manager or clinician directly and be like, hey, you know, talk us through why this is annoying you and we'll fix it. So, yeah, it's actually pretty easy to get feedback. Um, I love how engaged the, our, the Lansom customers are in trying to make the platform better because they're using it every day and it's we're trying to make their lives easier with it. So it's definitely in their interest to tell us. If can, I, can I say the fav- my favorite comment I've ever heard from a clinician is, oh, this is really easy. It's like Tinder, <laughs> it's like Tinder <laughs> for GPs. <laughs> so that's a really nice um, analogy. So I am a practice manager and I am looking for a GP to fill a session. I go on my I go on my phone or I go on the computer. I list my requirements when I want them to work and what experience they want them to have. You make sure that they are safe to practice and then they come in and do their shift. Pretty much. And we'll only send out the shifts to people who can do them. So they've got to have the right skills and also be available. 
because I know in the past, like clinicians were just getting bombarded with emails or phone calls about shifts that they couldn't do because they were busy. So okay. we'll only share shifts with people who might actually be available to take it. It just saves everybody time and a lot of WhatsApp messages. And I know your offering is broad, but who are you trying to reach at the moment? Who is your, who's the ideal client? Yeah, I think I'll take this one. So what we're trying to do at the minute is we do have this big GP marketplace of about around 18,000 GPs that use us in the way that you've just described there, Tara. And there are about 5,000 GP practices that have Lantern accounts with around 1,500, 2,000 of them using the uh, service regularly to book locums. What we want to do now is we want to go out to groups like primary care networks to say, okay, you can use this GP marketplace, but you can also build a staff bank just for your network on Lantern so that you will essentially have all of your GPs that you use on a locum basis, but also your salary GPs and potentially your salaried nurses, HCAs, receptionists, pharmacists, paramedics, whoever it might be within your network. So that if, say, you're a network of five practices, let's say, if one practice needs a nurse rather than having to go to an agency or look elsewhere, maybe there's a nurse at the next door practice that can fill that slot. So we're trying to build that resilience at network level rather than having to go outside of your group and then also offer that GP marketplace should it be needed. So to answer your question, generally it's primary care network, clinical directors that we're talking to, and then on a larger scale, talking to uh, the integrated care systems as well to see if they'd like to do this on a larger scale. Sorry to put you on the spot, but as a network manager, who pays for this? So if I'm in my PCN and we have got, for those of you in the world of primary care networks, you'll be familiar with the DES specification and the additional role scheme, role reimbursement scheme. We're trying to recruit. It's quite difficult. We have got an envelope and... Yeah, we've got an envelope and it's a really good opportunity, but it doesn't come without its challenges. So I'm thinking, how how do I pay for this? It's a good question. We have a few different models. I think ideally it would be the primary care network themselves that pays for this service. We've had a few struggles with primary care networks themselves being an entity that can actually pay for one of these services. Um, Sometimes it might sit with an individual practice. Um, More often than not, it's been sitting with groups like GP federations, uh, where they might manage multiple primary care networks and they can share a bank on a larger scale. I think after hopefully April of this year, things should be a bit more developed and it should be a bit more of a clear action that primary care networks are able to fund this themselves. And I think that's the direction that things will be going in. Are you working with any primary care networks at the moment? Yeah, we have 262 primary care networks that have access to a Lantern staff bank. That could be on an individual primary care network level. That could be at GP federation level. So maybe they share a bank with four or five different primary care networks. Or we also work at system level with a group like uh, Greater Manchester. So that has every single one of their 500 GP practices sharing one single bank. So we can do it on a very small scale or we can do it on a very large scale. And Ishani, when Lantern has grown, but it's quite a compet- you operate in quite a competitive market. So I'll meet people and they say, we're not just a locum bank, we're not just an agency, we're different. And it's a bit like, are, are you? <laughs> Is it different? It's, um, how does Lantern position itself against its competitors? Why would we choose Lantern? That's a very, very good question. So there aren't any products or companies out there that do the full, have this full suite of offerings that we do. 
you'll get products that are pure e-rostering solutions. You'll have products that are e-rostering plus payment solutions. And then you'll have digital staff banks that might only operate for one or two different staff types. What we do is pull all of those functionalities together to have one complete system. Plus, we are building HR capabilities as well. So there isn't a direct competitor for the full offering, but there might be components of what we do that other companies can take on. Our origin or the origin of our story is deeply rooted in general practice, whereas a couple of the other, I suppose, companies in the space, their origins are in secondary care. And as we know, the resource needs, the workforce needs, the cost are vastly different. And I think because we have started organically from general practice, I sent, I feel we are the best for the evolving integrated care system spaces because we understand at the core of every health system is general practice, is primary care. So we're able to understand how cross-sector workforce, how it should operate, what it should look like, what the pain points are, as opposed to just looking at primary in isolation, secondary in isolation, and community in isolation. We bring everything together. It's a very long answer I've given you. It's (laughs) it's hard when someone says, what does Lantern do? It's very difficult to just put it in a, in an elevator pitch, you know, one, (laughs) one minute definition, because we do a lot for a lot of different sectors across the system. And actually I haven't mentioned voluntary sector, which is a massive, a massive thing that we're doing, bringing the voluntary sector in to integrate better within primary care and secondary care. So that's, again, that sets us apart, I think, from everyone else. Do you think having that elevator pitch is important? Because we have the same, we have the same challenge of we do, uh, we provide project management support for primary care networks. We have got the Business of Healthcare podcast, which is wider than primary care. Mm-hmm. We have got our scholarship, which is raising the profile of diversity. We don't just do one thing. And we always have this conversation. It would be easier if we just said we just stuck in this box, but I'm interested in more than one thing. So as you grow your business, how do you communicate all that you do without over, you know, overwhelming people and without the message getting lost? I wish our marketing leader was here because <laughs> they're the best. That's, that's their role. They're the best people to answer that, but I'll, I'll, I'll have a go. We do have, good relationships with all of our clients. We have a customer success team with an allocated account manager, which is kind of your go-to person for updates, for for issues, for tips on what I would like the product to do. Everyone has a dedicated person that they build a relationship with within the company. We also have content creation. We are not as busy on social media as I would like, but I guess our forte when it comes to communicating is through case studies. And these are real accounts of what the product has helped to deliver. We are outcomes focused. We are data focused. We are also finance saving focused. So we're able to say explicitly to customers, this is what we did for GM, Greater Manchester. This is what we've done for Dorset. This is what we've done for, you know, any, any provider that we work with, urgent care centers as well. And I think that is probably the best way for us to communicate is because it's a small world. General practice is a small world. Urgent care is a small world. Everyone knows each other. And you probably experienced this yourself, Tara, with how, how you connect with your clients. So if, if someone in East London hears what's happening in, in somewhere close to their patch, they then come and ask us, hey, we heard what 
Barking and Dagenham are doing. We want to, we want to know what, what can you do for us? So I think that's, that's how we get it. I mean, Jamie can share stories of how he connects with customers and how he gets people coming to him. Yeah, I think the difficulty is, Tara, for us, is that we really want to solve problems in primary care specifically for practice managers and for clinical directors of, of primary care networks. With the changing landscape, and at the minute it's changing so rapidly, those pain points keep on changing. So we're constantly trying to evolve and keep up ourselves. And it's a real headache for people like Kat, because I can maybe go to her and say, OK, you know the thing we were trying to solve last week? Well, I think now we need to try and solve something else. So it's, it's constantly evolving and constantly changing. So, like for example, I think now the big pain point, because there isn't so much need for this locum marketplace, I'd like us to be in a position where we can go to every GP practice and offer them a really good rotor tool, like an electronic e-rostering tool, so they can do all of their salaried stuff. And then each primary care network can essentially have a bird's eye view of everything that's going on in each of their practices and see where there's gaps, see maybe where there's too many sessional staff, have all that information of every nurse shift, HEA shift, and evaluate that on a weekly or monthly basis so they know exactly what their problems are when it comes to staffing. But that means a little bit of a shift in our messaging, a little bit of a shift in our product. So it does mean that we just have to constantly try and communicate this. And I think for us, the best way of doing it is because we work with so many GP practices and primary care networks already, it's just checking in with them probably by phone on a weekly basis, seeing how they're doing, seeing how they're using the platform, seeing how we can help them. That reminds me of what happened when COVID sort of first erupted there was real difficulty in people providing situational reports every week on their workforce. You know, how many people were sick? How many people were not able to work? How many people were shielding? And that, I guess, nudged us to look to think about what could we do to support providers with their reporting. So not just reporting to CCGs and NHS England, but also their own sort of business intelligence of of workforce on the ground. And you mentioned the additional role reimbursement scheme that's gone beyond one year now. And that's what PCNs are asking us to help figure out. So how would you mobilise as paramedic fairly um, and transparently across multiple sites, even if operating purely on a home visit basis, or even if they're doing some online consulting, paramedics can do that, as well as being face-to-face with patients. So that, for me, it was the ARS that has cemented the ask from PCNs? How can we share our clinical pharmacists? How can we share the new health coaches coming in? And then for, for me, like the, the geeky bit of me is, well, actually, what are, you, what are you doing with these skill types? For me, that's that's the bit. It's, it's So it's, yes, mobilizing them and getting them to where they need to be um, and paying them. But also what what is a health coach doing in Dorset that, a, that the health coach in maybe Wakefield might be doing differently? And then sharing those stories and, and sharing those ideas of how you can get the most from these new skill, skill types. I really like that. And I think obviously the podcast is called The Business of Healthcare. I think what you have just summed up really nicely is, you know, like the old fashioned case study is still really, really Everyone valuable. Loves a story. Yeah. And I think where Jamie said, you just pick up the phone and you check in. And I think the challenges around equity, that's all, all I talk about. How can you take these people and, and trying to, help the practices understand do you want does everybody need one sixteenth of a cake how do you make he can't keep chopping up especially part-time people Mm. how do you manage it equitably and if there's trust there one practice may get a little bit more of x and another practice may get a little bit more of y and the time so you mentioned hr the time the time it takes to recruit 
to manage and retain and to professionally develop these staff is a challenge. What does the role do? Because that you need to start with that at the very beginning yeah. and how you develop those. And I think it goes back to your, your population need, what do you want to do? And I think that, yeah, you just, I think there's case studies and ev- not everybody, but lots of people, if they don't have the vision in their mind, it's really helpful to say, oh, what are they doing? What are they doing in North Kent? What are they doing in East Kent? And even if you show the case study and they say, well, we can't do that, or it's different for them, we've got different population needs, we're different it still sparks a conversation because they will say, oh, but could we do this or could we do that? And um, so I think that's really, really helpful. And I think it shouldn't be underestimated. Collecting case studies is time consuming. It is. And we're also data driven as well. So we, we like to hear the accounts and the narratives and what has been delivered. But we also like to look at the numbers. So I think Jamie and and, and Utara talked about that resilience and that I guess that 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 macro continuity, but those that's the data that we look at. You know, are you retaining your your first five GPs? Are you retaining your ARRS? And and that's that that's important. I think we tend to general practice have one year lenses, but with primary care networks, we need to be looking beyond that five years, ten years. How do we retain people? Look after them? Develop them? I'm not saying technology can solve all of those things. By the way, I know <laughs> technology isn't there. The golden chalice for all of these things, a lot of it is based on relationships and, and building trust and support in a system. So I suppose that brings me off really nicely. So Kat, um, how long have you worked for Lantern and what did you do before you started? So I've been working at Lantern for a year now, but before that I ran my own startup, which was in a similar, it was in the workforce space. So we helped companies automate some of the manual tasks around their employee onboarding. Um, and it's like we've seen so many parallels with the work that we're doing at Lantern around all of the manual tasks that practice managers have to do to kind of get their shifts posted and get things filled. Um, so, yeah, it's been really interesting, like applying the same things that I learned at my company to Lantern. Cool. So you've got a team of entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs. You've got people that have got the know-how to run a business within your own business. So turning the lens into Lantern you've worked there for a year mm-hmm. how do they how do they attract you how do they support you how do they develop you that's a really good question so the reason why I joined Lantern actually is because somebody I used to work with joined Lantern before I did and we were both very interested in the healthcare space Lantern is an awesome place to work just because there's like so many different challenges but also I like love working with the clinicians, with the practice managers. Like I think in another life, I would have loved to do what Shani does and actually be a doctor. But given that I haven't done that, I want to kind of get as close to it as, a, as I possibly can and basically try and make the lives easier of, yeah, of, of these people that we're working with because they're doing the hard stuff, right? It's much easier for me to kind of like sit around and like tell developers what to do. But actually like being on the ground is so much more difficult. So anything that I can do to help. So that's why I joined. I feel the same. I feel like, yeah, I, I, I don't have the brains to be a doctor, but if I can get as close as I possibly can. <laughs> um, and Jamie, how did you have a background in primary care before you joined Lantern? No, I didn't. So I've been at Lantern for two and a half years and I was in the textile business actually before that. Uh, I had my own company selling fabric to high street uh, clothes shops, essentially. 
But so it was a complete career change for me. And what drew me to Lantern, and I think I forget this a lot of times, that we come into work in the healthcare sector because it is a very worthy cause. And the team at Lantern are so passionate about what they do. I know you said, Tara, that it's hard to actually encapsulate in a short elevator pitch what you do. But when you go and speak to, to the team at Lantern, and I think across the healthcare space, people are so passionate about what they do because they know that they're trying to solve a problem that is real. And at the heart of it is always patients as well. So they're giving a better experience to patients in this country. So for me, seeing the passion that everyone at Lantern had and the goals and the vision, yeah, it was a very easy company to join. It's what's really interesting is I've got, well, two questions. So Jamie, what's it like going from running your own business and be your own master of your destiny to then going back to work for another organisation? Yeah, it's a good question. It took a bit of adjustment, I think. I was very much working alone for a good six years. So it was just me in my room. I would go out to meetings and stuff like that. But there was a lot of time on my own, which has some good points and some bad points. Um, It did mean that you were kind of, as you said, in charge of your own destiny. But I really miss the camaraderie. I really miss the idea of trying to build something together and achieve something together. I think the good thing about Lantern, what I've found, is that you can influence things quite well. Like we said, that you hear these pain points because of the, the, the changing landscape so much. If you do hear, well, no, this is actually the problem. It's quite easy to go up to our CEO and say, well, I think this might be the problem. And it can be a matter of weeks when we're actually implementing something that would change that. The worries I had, I think, of working for a larger organisation was that you wouldn't have that ability to influence things. But I hopefully we've got over that. But as it was going from my old job to working in an office full time, I suppose it was the biggest pain was just making sure I had to get out of my pajamas by midday. Do you use that experience when you're talking to PCMs? Because I think it's I think when I speak to networks, they want somebody with experience. They want to essentially pluck somebody that's done the exact same job. And I think that there is so much experience that whether you if you've not done the same job you've run your own business so when you're talking to a network you have established you've taken something an idea in your mind you've got the product and then you've gone out and got the customers and I think do you use that experience so whilst you haven't run a practice or you haven't set up a PCN there are so much there's so much business acumen that you can bring to those conversations. Yeah definitely Tara I think the biggest thing that I've taken over is that When you speak to people, you need to look not just at their pain points as an organisation, but the pain points of that specific person, of what they actually want to achieve. And just listen and just keep listening and keep listening and just keep asking the questions. And and don't really even try to, to offer your solution until you know that you're actually solving exactly what their problem is. I think it's still it's still something that, that I battle with now, just making sure just to listen, 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 ask the right questions. They're obviously the expert on their own situation or what they want to achieve. So it's always easier to know that you're solving a problem that someone absolutely has rather than trying to shoehorn your own solution into there. It's easy to start fixing something you don't quite understand the intricacies. But sometimes I think you do make it, we overcomplicate it. Yeah, it's, it's a balance. Sometimes it's like you can keep listening and you think after a while, the issue that you think is the issue is not. Sometimes it's a, it sounds, it's a mindset. Yeah, I also absolutely. think it's, a, I think something I've seen Jamie do fantastically well is getting to understand the, like you said, is the problem complex or simple, but also what are the limitations of what Lantern can do? 
when you're in a space where integrity is the most important thing, you know, when it comes to professionalism, probity, honesty, those things are fundamental traits for working in a healthcare space. When you're a technology company working in a healthcare space, it is equally important. So when we can't do something, we have to put our hands up and say, we can't. If we know we're going, we're building something in three to six months time, we can be honest about that. But I think that's where a lot of companies in this space do falter is they say they can fix everything and do everything when they can't. And that's certainly something that, you know, we, that, that will fundamentally never change because if you say to a PCN, you can do something and we've had, I've had other companies I've been speaking to say, that's where things go. That's where things go wrong. And then people, people, they, they feel deflated and then the trust is broken and that's it. Yeah, I'd agree. Is Lantern the business you envisaged it is when you first started? No. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think when you, when you first started this? What did you think you, you, the business would do? Connecting practices to GPs. That was it. It was a <laughs> very simple, simple but effective platform aimed purely at the sessional market where practices would put a shift, post a shift, and a GP would accept the shift. And it was managing compliance and payment. And then it, it grew to support pensions. It grew to support staff banks, rostering, multiple staff types, COVID, the COVID response. And I, I would love Kat to be able to share what we did for that, because that, that has been our focus for much of this year. And that's not how we started. And and being part of the NHS Innovation Accelerator Programme very much helped to shape the change that we made. The rebrand also happened during that time. You know, Network Locum was that. It was a connector for sessional GPs. Lantern is a total workforce management platform. They're completely different. Oh, come on. Incorporated into the other. I'll come on to COVID in a second. Does the company as a co-founder still feel like yours? Primary care and integrated care bits, yes. Yes, it does. Because I live it and breathe it every day and get to share that with Jamie, Kat, Melissa, marketing team, customer success, and it helps keep us grounded. So I think, yes, not all of it, because I'm not as familiar with the secondary care space. And that's why we've expanded the clinical leadership team to make sure we are on point with what's happening in other parts of the system. So, yeah, I very much still influence the primary care side and the ICS side, which is which is great. And do you ever have moments where you think, oh, my God, I've got this huge, huge business that does and you've got a huge team. Do you ever have moments where you think, oh, my God. <laughs> What are we doing? <laughs> I think Melissa is probably a better place to answer that. And I'm sure she'd say yes. <laughs> but that's why you have a, t- a strong team of 60, you know, because you've and, and why you've got people that lead, as Kat mentioned earlier, the different teams within and then trusting the people who lead those teams to communicate and inform of how, how each team is doing and it's hard when we set ourselves targets that we know are incredibly ambitious, but I think that's, that's, you have to, you have to think bigger in order to, to grow. So that I sounds very MBA speak. What I've said. 
thought I apologise, but it's it's sadly true. <laughs> Why? Well, I think I don't think it's sadly true. I think it's it's excitingly true. Yeah, okay, and I think it's really important that in the public domain we all want to put our best foot forward and we want to showcase all the amazing stuff. But the reality is behind the scenes, it is tough growing a business. And when you hire new people and there is, you want to grow, sometimes there is the pressure to grow because you've got people and mortgages and, you know, COVID has come and it is completely, you know, nobody saw it coming where everybody wants to innovate, but we've all been thrown into a situation. So I think it is important that when people listen to this podcast, it's not just, it's not an advert for the business. It's it, mm-hmm. to try to share as comfortably as we can what goes on behind the scenes. And I think people see you, you know, like when you are online and you, I do think you are honest and we've had some really good chats, but I think it's helpful when people see Ashani and Lantern, like you're a company, not struggling, thriving and managing the challenges that we all are. And I think if we go on to COVID, how, you know, have you had to furlough anybody? Have you had to um, change your design? I know we touched on it a little bit, but if you could talk a little bit more about what the real impact COVID has had on Lantern and how you've pivoted really quickly. Yeah, I'm going to let cat the product yeah. and then I can talk about the, the business side. Sure. So yeah, in terms of the products, I can't even remember what we were working on now back in December, but it felt like it was the most important thing. And then obviously COVID hit, everything got turned on its head. Shifts numbers started dropping. We were like, oh God, what's happening? So there are a few changes we made and the way that we made those changes was entirely driven by our conversations with clinicians and practice managers. Like they're not things that I just pulled out of the air one day and was like, let's do this. It was listening to the feedback from our customers, basically, to understand like, okay, everything's changed. How can we help you? So there were two things that we did. The first thing was we were hearing that there were a lot of people, a lot of doctors who were having to self-isolate, but still wanted to be able to do telephone triage shifts remotely. Like, So maybe there was somebody in their house that was shielding, so they were having to stay home, or they themselves were self-isolating. But well enough to work, like maybe probably didn't have symptoms. We basically made a way so that practice managers could post shifts out, but specify this is a remote shift and you'll be doing telephone triage. So you can do it from your house. So basically like work from home. And we saw an uptake in the number of people taking up those shifts because before the GPs were basically just having to call the practice and sort of explain the situation. So that was the first thing. Another thing was we let practice managers label shifts as whether there'd be PPE available, because obviously we know that there were shortages. And also it was something that doctors were super worried about. Like they wanted to help, but they also wanted to be protected. So again, letting practice managers kind of indicate that on the shifts. So GPs knew what they were walking into before they applied to a shift, which is just so important. And then the other thing we did was obviously there were kind of rumours that there might be some funding that GP practices could claim for taking on COVID work and sort of covering COVID shifts. So again, we put something in the product that let practice managers label shifts in that way, just in case it did come through and that there might be a point in the future that they could get reimbursed for that. So yeah, just really trying to work with our customers to understand what their needs were. But the main kind of principle was letting the GPs know what they were walking into before they took on shifts. Oh, thank and you. so Kat was managing all of this 
at the same time as practices going through an absolute 360 transformation, whether it was straight to total triage, whether it was digital first, what online online consulting product they wanted to use, who was going to pay for the additional shifts to cover those who were shielding, creating green zones, red zones. And we were, so, you know, Kat and the team were hearing all of these different things. And obviously I was, you know, informing them what was happening in Northwest London. And through that, they were able, the team were able to build something that was fit for purpose in a very short space of time. We were also talking to NHS England, NHSX at the time to find out what was happening centrally. So even though the national reimbursement scheme ended up being divided into you know, CCG-led, we did have customers who used that functionality to be able to evidence, well, this is what I spent for, reimb- you know, for COVID support and then get that money reimbursed. So whilst we wanted it to have to be national, we ended up having to submit that it was at CCG level. And that's where the that's where the decision making was happening. So we did build something that we think could have been used a lot more, but we were obviously at the mercy of central control. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think that's really and that's yeah, I think that's really helpful. And I know people will be nodding along <laughs> in agreement. So to wrap up. Kat, if you could let our listeners know, what is the one thing you love about working for Lantern? Sure, that we're building, we're working on a cause basically that's just so important, like healthcare is so important, patient safety is so important, and we're building a product that makes people's lives easier so they can do those things better. It's the, yeah, the vision and the mission for me, I think. Jamie, if people want to know more about Lantern, how can I get in touch? And what does that process look like from the inquiry to the meeting? Yeah, so the best way is probably to visit our website or just to email me directly at jamieatlantern.com or just give us a call. What it looks like, Tara, is the inquiry will come in. Uh, Usually you'll speak to me as the first point of contact. I'll get in touch and find out a bit about exactly what you're looking for and the problem that you're trying to solve. And then usually you'd go to the relevant department. So it might be that you're a GP practice that needs additional locums. It might be that you're a primary care network looking to build a staff bank or might be that you're an extended access hub looking for a good rostering platform. So we all have different departments that deal with those different things. And you go through, you'd speak to that department. They'd again, make sure they know exactly what you're trying to achieve. And then we book in things like product demos, and then we'd come to some kind of pricing agreement that works for both sides. And then the launch process, it takes uh, somewhere between two weeks and four weeks until you're up and running and using the platform. Job done. Job done. <laughs> and Ishani, where where do you see Lantern in the next three years? Um, there's two things. The first one, supporting more integrated care systems. We've, we're currently working with our Dorset and Greater Manchester and I think they're trailblazing and setting uh, good, good, setting good examples of how of what ICSs can achieve. I'm sure we'll be calling them something else in the next year. Um, so it's 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 helping support primary care networks to then build out to become integrated care systems. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is addressing the secondary care needs. You know, I know general practice and primary care struggles with recruitment, but we're not unique. Secondary care also really does struggle in particular nursing and that's a global issue not just a national one and Lantern are building out the secondary care product and also speaking to providers 
beyond the UK. So we are, yeah, we're growing in 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 both in both sectors, but never forgetting that at the core is NHS primary care. That's like the foundation of everything that we do. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you took loads of nuggets from that podcast around the importance of case studies and really understanding the needs of your clients and just picking up the phone. I also loved how they shared that their business is built on values and partnerships and that's the same for any business and that can't be compromised. When we compromise that, we lose trust. That cannot happen. And I hope you guys caught Ashani when she said she's talked about thinking bigger and that despite the challenges, we have to think bigger if we're going to grow these organizations that are going to have the impact that we desire. Stay tuned for more content together with Lantern. We've got some webinars coming up and I will see you guys in the next episode.